So do a bit of recap from last week. Uh, we began chapter three, and um, probably the most famous verses in here, and maybe in all the book of Proverbs, five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Uh, as a bit of recap, as I was thinking about this afterward, uh, just a brief glimpse into my mind, some of my best ideas happen after the sermon. So you're going to have something I wish I said last week. Um, but this, we, we looked at the heart of a faithful son last week. Um, but it reminded me of the rhythm of the Christian life or the, the, this kind of circular nature of the Christian life. Um, so our default mode is leaning on our own understanding. Uh, that is how we are born. That is what, if we were given the option 10 times out of 10, that's what we would choose, leaning on our own understanding. But the rhythm of the Christian life is we lean on our own understanding, we fall flat on our face and get disciplined. And then when we, when we, we get disciplined, we're reminded of who God is. We, we, we fear the Lord. We repent. We, we trust in the Lord. Everything goes well. And then what do we do? We lean on our own understanding again. And so it's this it's this, this hamster wheel of, of the Christian life. It's this rinse, wash, repeat thing that happens over and over and over again. And um, I thought about that last week in this passage, in that passage, because it's such a beautiful picture of what a faithful walk with the Lord looks like. But even a faithful walk includes discipline. Because in the house of the Lord, like any good house, there is affection, there's instruction, and there's discipline. And so the Christian life is marked by all these. And so what do we need to get off of that hamster wheel and rest but wisdom? And so this following up today is going to complement last week. So last week it was the ideal life in the Lord. And then this week it is wisdom in all of life. And so as uh, Jesse said, it is, or he told me earlier, it is a difficult passage. Um, because there's some things at play here that are kind of weird to our Western mind. Uh, but, so I want you to bring attention to your, your three points in your outline. Uh, this is seen as one lecture in the Hebrew, but it's really three small poems. It's three mini poems that come together to form uh, a picture of the value of wisdom. So each of the outer poems... So the first one, 13 through 18, and the last one, 21 through 26, they are bracketed by their big idea. The first one is blessed, the last one is keep, and we'll get more into that when we go. But they point to the middle. So you've got wisdom is blessedness. Wisdom has brought creation into, into being, and the last one is wisdom will, the, the benefits of, of wisdom. So the blessedness at the beginning, the, ble the, the benefits at the end, they, they support and point to the middle. God's creative wisdom, the source of all wisdom, the, 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 the pinnacle of bringing all things into being by wisdom. So here's our approach this morning. So as, as I kind of lay that out, I, I want to tell you why we're approaching it the way that we do. So we don't realize how linear we are, how logical we are. Our minds, more often than not, work like dominoes. This thought leads to this thought, leads to this thought, leads to this thought. And if you pull one out, the, the thought doesn't continue. We're very linear. We're very chronological and, and, and logical in our, in our progression. Some of you read the title this morning and you're struggling that they are not in order. That is by intention, just to mess with you. No, but, but, that's the, but because that's the order of the text. Wisdom, present, past, future. So that would not bother a Hebrew. So the, the Jews are not linear thinkers. They're not, I mean, not that they can't be. They're not always linear teachers. They care more about theme and about rhythm and about pattern and about repetition, about, about symbolism and painting uh, pictures with words. And so what is emphasized and where things are, are placed are actually more important than if they were lined up chronologically. And so, and this was the way that they, they taught. And so I want to draw attention to these, these poetic rhythms. You know, typically if we're going to teach something, we put the most important thing up front and we start with the most important thing, and then, we, and then we, we kind of work our way down from there. But they use different poetic tools to draw your attention to what they find most important. 
So I want to draw attention to those poetic elements so that you get what the author intends. uh, And so we won't get into all of the details of these verses. Because if you've been here since the beginning of our Proverbs study, some of these themes and ideas and phrases have been covered already. uh, And most of them will be covered throughout the book. Uh, So we'll look at the whole, these, these three poems and how they come together as a sum of their parts. And we'll look at select details that kind of help support that. And so next week, we'll get into more detail on the latter half and then finish the chapter. So that's what we're doing. That's, what we're go- that's where we're going. So I'm going to read verses 13 through 26. Proverbs 3.13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being caught. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are high and lifted up. You are awesome in all of your ways. We can't comprehend what it took to create the universe. We still can't comprehend what it takes to create a new heart within us, that you would take something dead and lifeless and pump the blood of Jesus into it that it would live for the first time. Lord, your plan of creation, your plan of redemption leaves us in awe and forgive us. And we are satisfied with shallowness. Forgive us when we are so satisfied with the temporary things of this world and we do not think, seek the higher things that are above. Forgive us when we are led astray by human wisdom and the things that this world loves instead of seeking and holding on to your wisdom and what you love. Lord, may we pursue her wisdom because we know that it is in wisdom that we find Jesus Christ and that in him we have security, we have comfort, we have confidence. Lord, I ask that your spirit this morning would teach us and bring to remembrance what we know and what we may forget or what we may have never heard before, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he may be glorified, that he may be exalted in our lives and in the heavens. May we all worship and praise and glorify his name because he is worthy. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so broad strokes, I want to show you, uh, I want to bring to your attention what's going on in this first poem. So we're going to focus on 13 through 18. Notice it begins and ends with blessed, what that means in just a moment. But I want to get to the structure first before we start pulling apart the elements. It begins and ends with blessed. That means there is a, a bookend, and so everything else in the middle encompasses those two words on the outside. This is a uh, biblical poetic tool called inclusio. That means that there are two terms on the outside and everything else is included in the middle is defined by those two outer terms. Uh, And so everything inside encompasses the one who gains wisdom. The other thing I want you to notice is the language that is associated to wisdom. The stative realities. These are all present realities. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. 
And even when it's not stated, it is, it is implied. Verse 14, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you, can, nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness, and all her pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life and those who lay hold of her. This is a present ongoing reality. These are, these are uh, stated, stative realities. And so this is, this is an indicative inclusio, a uh, very technical way of saying this poem states what is, states facts, and facts which you need to, you'll need to base the rest of this information on. And so it um, so this idea of something being, this kind of ongoing state of nature of wisdom should bring our minds back to the God of Abraham and, J- and Jacob, our God, who names himself the I am, who always is and always continues to be. And wisdom is similar as well because Yahweh, our God, is all wise, our God is without beginning and without end and, and, and without error. And so when wisdom is associated with him, wisdom w- would point us to his characteristics. Um, and so similar descriptions that we see in this uh, section about wisdom are given to the scriptures. Uh, the, the following the precepts of the Lord is better from gain of silver and, and his commandments are uh, precious and long life to those who obey him. So you, you, you've got kind of a uh, synonymous picture here of the wisdom of God and the word of God. The, the uh, principles of, of God are associated with him, uh, whether in, in wisdom and idea or written down in, in scripture. And so all of these concepts, all of them, we find the fullness in Christ. He is the I am. He's the one in John with all these I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the eternal one, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the fullness of all wisdom. He is the word, of, the word made flesh, the word of God incarnate. And so as we see uh, these, these principles in this, or, or these ideas in this first poem, they should point us to Christ. And so even though we won't deal with each one, there's a good family follow-up exercise after this. Walking through each one of them, these and talking about the value and the benefit of wisdom and how that points us to Christ. Uh, and so there's a lot of great discussions here for these ideas and word pictures, but I'm just going to bring a few to your attention. So first, blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? There's a difference between blessed, it is a state of being blessed, versus blessings. So blessings are individual benefits bestowed on someone. A state of blessedness is something you carry around with you. That's who you are. That's, that's what is going on in your life right now. And so it, it's a bigger idea. It's, it's, blessed is the one who experiences life as God intended it. This, is, this in the Hebrew understanding, it is happy, it is content, it is at ease. I am blessed. Because I am living and I, as God intends me to, and I'm receiving all the blessings of God. So blessed is the one, and this sets up the rest of it. Because in the Hebrew, this is, this is blessed Adam. Adam, man, the general word for, for humankind. This is a, a call out to, just like Psalm 1 that we read in an intercessory prayer earlier, blessed is the man, blessed is the one, blessed is is whoever in, in mankind gains, finds wisdom. And that will come up later as uh, there's a lot of creative elements in here. And so in the Beatitudes, Jesus uses the same Greek equivalent to, to give that idea. Many of us read the Beatitudes, we say, blessed are the poor in spirit. So we assume if you are poor in spirit, then you will be blessed. But that's not how it reads. That's not how it's intended. The poor in spirit are blessed. The peacemakers are blessed. The persecutors are blessed. They are not earning blessedness. They live in blessedness. They walk in in, in blessedness. And this is the same idea here. And so this kind of theme of being blessed by the Lord, living in blessedness, finds its 
its fulfillment and its ultimate blessedness in Revelation. So we're actually going to spend a lot of time in Revelation this morning. So if you don't know where Revelation is, it is the very last book in your Bible, right before all the charts and the maps and all that stuff. Um, but I want to bring a few things to your attention. Revelation 1.3. There are many references to blessedness. I'm just going to bring a few to your attention. So in the, the final revelation of the, the, the eschaton, the last things, when John sees what is the state of the church, what is promised to the church, look at how it's described. Verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. You are blessed even if you, if you can... If you read it aloud, more importantly, blessed are those who hear and who keep what it is written, for the time is near. Blessedness is being in God's word, because the time is near. Everything you read here, it can come at any moment. Do not fall asleep. Look again at chapter 14, verse 13. 14, 13 in Revelation. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. The Father says, blessed are those who die. And the Spirit says, blessed indeed. What does that mean? There is no more blessedness than to be with the Lord. Blessed are those who, who die. Yes, it is better that I go to be with the Lord. Why? That they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. The time is coming. Those who are in the Word are blessed now. Those who go to be with the Lord are even more blessed. Um, and why is that blessing so vivid. Look at 19.9. This beautiful picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb, this great party, this, this, this great rejoicing that happens in the heavens as the, the bridegroom is reunited with his bride. Verse 9 says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Blessed, that is the highest blessing. It is not to walk around on this earth and everything go well for you. People like to say that. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored because I don't have any material needs right now. This is the highest blessedness man will ever receive, an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is getting married to his bride. He is, he is being united to her forever. That is the, the, the highest blessedness when we are there on that, that day. Amen. And there is a... There is a promise and a warning at the end of Revelation, Revelation 22. Revelation ends where it begins. The time is near. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. Why does he say soon? It's been 2,000 years. So that you would not fall asleep. So that we would not get complacent. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. More on that later. That they may enter the city by the gates. Blessed are the ones who wash their robes, those who are covered in my blood, because they will have life in me, eternal life solidified with this tree of life, and they will enter the city by the gates. They are not thieves and, and robbers who, who sneak in the back door. When you go before that, your heavenly Father in the blood of Christ, you walk in the front door. You walk in, in his blood. That is blessedness. And we get glimpses of this in, in shadows of this in, in, in Proverbs. This walking with the Lord, this, this, this contentment in the Lord, all that the Lord has to offer. And so going back to Proverbs, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Uh, this is the most detail we're going to go into. We're going to move a little faster after this. But I kind of want to set the stage. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. There's a broader picture being painted here. Wisdom is associated with divine attributes. Wisdom is, is associated with the Father's teaching, instruct, instruction, and understanding. But also, and more importantly, the fear of the Lord, the trust of the Lord, and the honoring of the Lord in all you do in order to be mature. And if you remember from week one, our working definition of wisdom is knowledge applied. And so the point of Proverbs is to get you to understand what pleases God, to take in information and apply it to your life. Because this is blessedness, that you obey him, that you walk in his ways, that, that he may bless and keep you. So, kind of the, the, the big idea, um, there are 
two kind of admonitions within here. So you've got an introduction and you've got a closing. The introduction is verse 13. Um, Verse 14 and 15, wisdom is better than material wealth. Verses 16 uh, through 18 offers the blessedness to those who hold or possess her. So in this material wealth in 14 and 15, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire desire can compare with her. We've touched on that a little bit. We will touch on it more. Um, But I'm going to let Bruce Waltke summarize this well. Look what he says here. He says, it is better than the profit of silver because money can put food on the table but not fellowship around it. A house but not a home. And can give a woman jewelry but not the love she really wants. By contrast, wisdom gives both physical and spiritual benefits. What a beautiful description. It's not just our stuff in the way of, of, of our life. It's what makes a house a home. It's what makes, it's what make, makes food a meal. It's what makes adornment actually satisfying and not just empty and, and external. Uh, Socrates said something very similar. He says, prefer knowledge to wealth. For the one, one is transitory, the other is perpetual. It's almost like he was reading Proverbs. Um, and so even the wise among the world realizes that this stuff, the material things, they can be bought, they can be sold, they can be stolen. But wisdom cannot be bought, it cannot be stolen, it cannot be sold, it cannot be transferred. It must be bestowed. It must be walked in it, and it must be stored up where neither moth or rust destroy and God's wisdom lasts forever. So as we think about the treasures of this this world, we should treasure wisdom because in wisdom we have the fullness of Christ. It points us to him. It points us to all of of his excellencies. So as we look at these verses, and I hope you go home and study more this this week, what is most precious to you? What do you desire so much that nothing else compares? What are you storing up? What do you treasure more than anything? And do you still believe the lie that material things equals blessedness? Or... Are you storing up eternal riches? Are you storing up the things of of, of Christ? Have you hidden his word in your heart so that there's nothing more valuable, that they can take every earthly possession you have and you are still rich? So there's the material benefit. Now here's kind of the the benefit of all life, picking up in verse 16. Um, Here's what wisdom possesses. So you seek first the kingdom of God and he will add all of these extra things building off of last week. Uh, but here's a, a, a great kind of mirrorism, um, another Hebrew tool using two ends of the spectrum to tell you everything in between. There's, there's a few in this, this paragraph. Long life is in her right hand. So long life is a sign of I get to live I get to be with God. I get to walk around on his planet. Long life before, man, before God is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. So I get to live with God for a long time, and I get to live well among men. Riches and honor. She encompasses all things. Life before God, life before men. Everything is in her hands. Do not sell her short. Don't look for other things because in her are everything you want and needs need in, in life. Her hands are full of blessing. Don't look for blessing. Don't look for blessedness anywhere else. Verse 17 kind of builds on that. Um, you know, this is, the, 16 is a broader spectrum, and 17 kind of gets to, to, to the heart, and it appeals to what we truly desire. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. It's pleasing delightful. Her paths are peace. This is contentment and satisfaction. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want pleasantness and peace? Who doesn't want delight and satisfaction? Amen. Some people live like they don't, 
But here's, here's the call. There is beauty in this walk. There is pleasantness. There is peace. We've seen before elsewhere there is bloodshed and there is, and there is war. This is the peace that passes understanding. Um, the, the picture here of this path of peace, the walk in pleasantness, is like a child. When you see a child holding their father's hand, holding their, their, their mother's hand, there may be thieves and robbers and drunks stumbling around them, but they are perfectly content because they are being held by their parent. Or like when a child crosses the road, and you've, you've taught your child, do not cross the road without holding the hand of an adult. They stop, and they look, and I'm not going anywhere. I am not going to cross, but as soon as you hold my hand, I'm going to run across. Because now I am in peace. Now I am, I, I am feeling pleasantness because I am secure. Because my loving father, my loving mother holds me. This is the, this is the picture of walking in, in wisdom. We can walk in the midst of the shadow or the, the valley of the shadow of death. We can run across the street because we know no harm will come to us in, our, in the, the hands of wisdom here. But, but our God. And now comes the uh, climax of the poem. She is, still speaking of wisdom, a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast uh, are called blessed. Now, the tree of life, um, this began in the beginning of our scriptures, and so we see the tree of life in Genesis 2 and 3. And so it's not the tree that, that gives life. God gives life. But the, but the tree of life continues life. The tree of life gives, gives fruit. To, if, as long as you eat of it, you will live forever. But as we saw in Revelation, it comes up again in Revelation. The only time the tree of life is mentioned is in Genesis and Revelation. The only time the tree of life is mentioned is in Genesis and Revelation. This idea that something you eat of will give you life for eternity. You know the only other place that tree of life is mentioned? Proverbs. It's with a slight difference. This is a tree of life, not the tree of life. Here's what's going on. The tree of life, what Adam and Eve could have continued to eat from and lived in complete blessedness with the Lord forever, they rebel, they listen to the lies of the enemy, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they are cut off from the tree of life. But the promise at the end of the age is that the tree of life will be restored again. But in the meantime, Proverbs offers a tree of life. So this is a glimpse. This is a taste of what, it, of what eternity should be like. It is, a, it is a peek into eternity. You want to know what the author of Proverbs is, is promising here? You want to get a glimpse of what heaven looks like? You want to get a glimpse of, of eternity? Wisdom. She is a tree of life. If you find wisdom, if you find Christ... All the blessings in the right and left hand, but a glimpse into eternity. You get a picture of what life was God, what God was meant to be in the garden and what will be in the new heavens and the new earth. That's, what, that's the, the, the picture that is given here. Amen. But it's not for everyone. It is to those who lay hold of her, to grasp her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. What do we have to hold fast to? Quickly, it'll be on the screen, is Hebrews 4.14. The same language of holding fast we see often in the book of Hebrews. This is the, the, the clearest example. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. As the writer of Proverbs is saying, hold fast to this tree of life. Hold fast to wisdom. We know that in Christ we have the fullness of wisdom. We hold fast to him. Him, our high priest. This poem is written to Adam, to man. Adam, he becomes the new Adam because he went before us, because he goes to the cross, because he, he reverses the effects of the curse, because he dies so that we can be reconciled to God. He goes before us, he intercedes for us, becomes the new Adam, makes us a new creation, and we hold fast to him. So the glimpse that we see here in Proverbs of holding fast the wisdom we see in the fullness of our confession, 
The words we say in agreement, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. We hold fast to that. That is our tree of life. That is our promissory note of what is to come. Amen. So how do we regain what we're cut off from from the fall? How do we get back to the garden the way God intended to commune with man? It is the wisdom of God which leads to the fear of the Lord, which leads us to Jesus Christ, wisdom incarnate, our high priest. And this is his promise on his return. Revelation again. So here's where the the imagery finds its its fullness and its completion in Revelation 2. I'm going to go through a few of these, but we'll go quickly. Revelation 2, 7. The end of the letters of the church in Ephesus. He who has ears, to, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, who continues in the Lord, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. This is the promise to the, to the saint who endures. This is the promise to the one who lives in Christ. The tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, is a promise of paradise. So at the beginning, Go to the end again of Revelation chapter 22. Look at verses. Oh, I, I jumped ahead, didn't I? Uh, we, we, we read it before. Um, we'll bring it up again. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city gates. So what is, what is pictured in the garden, what is promised in Proverbs is perfected in Revelation. Proverbs finds itself at the very heart of redemptive history, giving you an insight into the heart of God. It's the, the restoration of the tree of life in, in Christ Jesus. And so we are promised eternal life, and that tree and everything that it signifies in the wisdom of God, but until then we have a tree of life. And so think about all the imagery of trees within the Bible. They are for shade, comfort from the heat, they are for, for shelter from the rain and, and, and from animals. They are for, for fruit, sustenance. Trees are, are pictures of sustaining life. And so the wisdom of God is the sustaining of life. Holding fast to Christ is the life of blessedness. Those who hold fast to her, i.e. who she points to, are called blessed. So that's our first poem. No surprise that um, the tree of life associated with unspoiled creation gives a glimpse of new creation in Christ and then points to a creation reference in 19 and 20. Here's our second poem, the shortest one. Uh, Again, it's sandwiched or bracketed in between the outer two poems. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Notice, Wisdom, knowledge, or wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. This is the trinity of maturity throughout Proverbs. This is what the father wants the son to have. The father wants the son to be mature. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Um, and it's found in the creative power of Yahweh, who brings the world into existence, who brings all things in by wisdom. Now, this is to drive home the point that if you don't think wisdom is worth pursuing, you don't think wisdom has enough power to work within you, God brought the world into existence through wisdom. It is by wisdom that he created everything that is around you. Don't take it lightly. She is a powerful force to be reckoned with. She is the most grand use where God brings everything in the beginning. Uh, so there's two parallel verses here, or parallels in each verse. 19, the first half and the second half. 20 and the first half and the second half. So founded and established, these are, th- these are synonyms. This is God's purposeful and intelligent creation. This is not haphazard. This is, this is part of his plan. This is direct. Um, and there's also a parallel in heaven and earth. Here's another mirrorism. Heaven from above, earth from below, everything in between. Basically to say from one end to the other, God created everything. He founded it, he established it by wisdom. There is nothing 
that is not made and held up by the wisdom of God. And so to give one example, verse 20, by his knowledge, the deeps, so this is, this is water language, the, the, the deeps broke open, this spilling and spewing out of the, the center of the earth, and the clouds, other water language, dropped down dew. So let's look at these. Why water? Why the deep and why the clouds? Because if anything speaks to life on earth, it is water. Most of our planet is covered in water. Our bodies are mostly made up of water. The air that we breathe is water vapor. Water contains what plants need and what we need. Water is, is synonymous with, with life on earth. And so the deep opening up, that's past tense. That's, that's looking back to the way God created this, this, this ball of water that we're on. And then the present tense, the clouds drop down. This is right now, the dew. So we're looking at creation and sustaining. God creates and he sustains. So we don't think much of dew. The Bible has much to say about dew because we live in Florida. And when it rains, it rains for days and it rains every day. And, and we just get, we get tired of the rain. But they don't get a lot of rain in Israel. So the dew is, is very important. They, they collect dew in the morning. And the dew is needed to keep many of their, their plants growing. They've got a rainy season, but it's very short. And so this continued provision, God uses water to create the earth. And he uses water to sustain the earth. And so wisdom gives, gives the, the, the earth what it needs to sustain. And so this is how immense his knowledge is. By his knowledge. God thinks it. God wills it, and it is. God wills it, and it still is. By his knowledge, by his wisdom, by his understanding, the earth and everything you see around it is and will be. And so how often do we reflect on God's creative wisdom? How often do we just look around us and we see dew on the ground, or when the rain falls, do we remember him? Do we remember God's provision? Are we in awe? Like how wise and how awesome and how majestic must you, must you have to be to create everything from a caterpillar to a bald eagle? Amen. How dense do we have to be to walk by it every day and not think about it? This is God's wisdom and his, and his understanding. You ever seen those deep sea uh, nature shows where the weirdest creatures that you have ever seen looks like something out of Dr. Seuss? And you're like, why did God create that? Where did that come from? Out of God's mind that we can't even begin to plumb the depths of. This is what the writer of Proverbs is saying. God is so wise. God is so infinite. God is so great. Even the very water that you de depend on to live comes from him. So point being, if God can create all this cosmos by wisdom, what can he create in you? If God can do all this marvelous work for inanimate objects... And creatures who are not made in his image, what can he do for his image bearers who seek him? Who hold fast to his wisdom. And if the wisdom of God is so valuable to him that it has been there since the beginning, we'll see more of this in chapter 8, that he created everything with it, how valuable should it be to us? How valuable, how much should we seek and hold on to the wisdom of God? Because if God used it to create everything, including you, how could you think that you could continue on in your life without God's wisdom? But we do, right? It's back to that cycle again. Everything's going well. Lean on my own understanding. Fall flat on my face. Have to get disciplined. Trust in the Lord. Lean on my own understanding again here. The, the reminder is God is so much wiser, so much smarter than you. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your, your thoughts. Go to him. Trust him. Your creator is beckoning you to listen to his wisdom. Don't keep stumbling on in your own. And so now in our third poem, um, from wisdom as a concept and an, an idea to wisdom put into practice. And so here in verse 21, we'll start the uh, third poem. So I'm going to broad strokes on this one. We'll get into more next week. But I wanted you to see the, uh, the, uh, the, the progression here. So, wisdom is. 
the nature and character of wisdom. What wisdom has done in the hands of the Lord, what wisdom will do in you. And so notice all of the verbs here. Look at the, the, the tenses. They are future promises. My son, do not lose sight of these. These being, keep sound wisdom and discretion. Look at all the will be's. And they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely. And your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be, will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Here is what the writer is saying. Remember who wisdom is. Remember who she is. Remember whose she is. And you will see what, what she will do if you take her with you. Here's another inclusio, begins and ends with keeping. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep, hold on to, guard, sound wisdom and discretion. If you do, it closes with, for the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. So the idea, the blessedness of wisdom, the creative power of wisdom, and the, the keeping of the guarding of wisdom in this, this last poem and in this last poem, it implies the whole person. Verse 21 addresses the sight. Verse 22 addresses the soul. So you got the eyes which bring things in, the, the soul which is your life within you, and then you've got the reference to foot. This is the way that you walk. This is your symbolic of your daily life. Um, so I want to look at this introductory section, 22 through 21 and 22. So there's three little sections. There's an introduction. This is introducing the application. And then the last two sections form a chiasm. We'll get to the first one first. Um, my son, don't lose sight of wisdom and, and discretion. Here is the first command. Up to this point, it's been indicatives. Now comes the imperative. If you don't lose sight of it, all these other things will happen. My son, don't lose sight. Keep, hold fast, don't let go. Here's, here's your, your tree of life. If you want to flourish, hold fast. They will be. Here's what she is, wisdom's benefits. Life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Uh, we dealt with that a couple of passages a, a couple of weeks ago, and we will later on. I want you to, so that's kind of what, what's setting it all up. If you do this, if you hold on to it, this is what will happen. Picking up in verse 23. Then, here begins the, uh, the, the chiasm. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. And it closes with, the Lord will keep your foot from being caught. What's in the middle? Two references. You won't have to fear and do not fear. So here's the chiasm, the Greek letter X. Foot, fear, fear, foot. What it's basically summing all that up, it says if you keep wisdom, your life will be marked by security and confidence in the Lord, not fear. If you keep wisdom, your life will be marked by security and confidence in the Lord, not fear. So when you see foot, this is important and a powerful symbol to people who walk everywhere. It doesn't mean as much to us because we sit in our cars, we sit on our, on our couches, we sit on a bus or wherever we, we, we travel, um, but they, this is the part of their body that they need more than anything because it gets them from point A to point B. And so basically when you see feet and when you see walk, it is every waking hour. Your foot is what takes you from point A to point B, and symbolically your foot is the part that touches the cursed ground. It is the, the, the reminder that the curse of the earth is beneath our feet at all times. This is why Moses could take his sandals off at the burning bush. Because in the very presence of God, there was no more curse in that, in that spot. And so when we think about foot, how can we have any assurance in the security of our steps? How do we not stumble? And this is not just you know, stubbing your toe on a sidewalk. But how do you not stumble into sin? There's a lot of details about feet in the Bible, but the most beautiful are the ones who bring the good news. Blessed is the one who brings the good news. We have one who brought good news, the one who walked before us, the ones whose feet were pierced for us, the ones who at his feet, every knee and tongue shall bow, and at his feet, every authority will be brought low before him. The, our only hope for a secure walk is to look with a on, on the beautiful feet of the one who went before us. 
And so when we think about our walk and our lives, when we think about who God sent before us, one whose feet were pierced on the cross, run to him. Don't just walk. Because it is because of the new Adam. It is because of him who walked in a way that, that, that we could not and accomplished a redemption that we did not deserve and could never earn, who gave to us, allows us by rising to new life, that we may have new life in him, that we may be a new creation, a new Adam, a, a, a new humanity in him. This is how we walk. This is how we walk without stumbling. We walk in him and, and, and because of him. And he's the only one who can keep and guard you for eternity. And so when we read this, this section, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. This is not just empty wisdom. This is the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, and in him we will not stumble. And so here's another mirrorism in verse 24. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So walk and lie down, day and night. When, when, when you're up, you're walking. When you're at home, you're, you're laying down. They didn't, you know, they, they got in their bed and they slept. Um, and so all of life, everything... Wisdom will keep you and, 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 and guard you. Um, and so here's the last one, 25 and 26. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Our cause for security is also our cause for comfort. Do not be afraid. If you keep wisdom, your life will be marked by security and confidence in the Lord, not fear. This is why the most famous benediction in all of the Old Testament, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's why these two poems are so significant. It is the blessedness of the Lord in the first one. It is the keeping of the Lord in the last one. Keep wisdom and the Lord will, will keep you. The Lord will be your confidence. The last reference in Revelation brings all this imagery together. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Sorry, I should have told you to keep your finger there. Revelation 1, 17. John, when he gets this vision of the Son of Man... He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But this beautiful picture, he laid his right hand on me. John falls at his feet. He lays his right hand, the right hand of the long life with, with the living God. And he says, fear not. The exhortation here in Proverbs to walk in wisdom and you will not fear, it is the right hand of Christ that tells us to fear not. I am, he says, the first and the last, the living and the dead. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is how all of these promises in, in Proverbs find their fullness. It is his feet who were pierced, his feet who went before us. When we fall down before him, it is his right hand who promises long life. Why? Because he's the living one. Because he rose from the grave. Because death cannot hold him. And so when we see these final words here, do not be afraid of sudden terror. What can man do to me? I've already been rescued from hell by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about the ruin of the wicked because it's coming. They're going to be judged. Sudden terror will come in this life. The ruin and the judgment of the wicked will come. They are both certain, but so is Christ's victory. And so is our life in him. And so is our protection in him. Because all of these elements find their fullness in Christ. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. As the new Adam, he is creating a new humanity. And he causes us to walk in newness of life. And he keeps our feet from stumbling if we hold fast to him. And as the original reader reads this and they desire to guard the wisdom of God, we guard and hold to our confession. 
the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is eternal life in him, the wisdom of God and power of salvation. So I want to leave you with this. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Blessed is the man who finds Jesus Christ, the creator, the sustainer of, our, of all things, our redeemer, the new Adam, the tree of life who provides a tree of life and, uh, until we see him again. He is our life. He is our confidence. He is our hope. And he causes us to lie down in peace and walk without stumbling. Love him. Trust him. Turn to him. There is no other wisdom. There is no other life apart from him. This is the joy to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how awesome is your name. The great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the name above all other names, the name that should hold weight and reverence on our tongues, should stir joy within our hearts, should flavor our speech and our actions, Lord, we praise you for your plan of redemption. We didn't deserve creation. We don't deserve communion with you. We definitely don't deserve a tree of life. We, like Adam and Eve, would rebel against you, deserve to be banished from your garden, yet you promise a tree of life and you provide a tree of life through your son that those who believe in him not perish but have eternal life Lord we thank you for Jesus Christ who goes before us who dies for us in our place who recreates us so that we may eat of the bread of life and live that we may be restored to the tree of life and live forever with him we praise your name and we praise his glory he is our life our hope our joy from everlasting to everlasting, the beginning and the end. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen.